Hi, Jim Roddy here from the RSPA with a quick word before we start today's pod. Registration is now open for Retail Now 2022, the Retail Technology Channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event. Join RSPA and Retail IT Channel leaders live and in person July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center in Orlando. Retail Now will have everything you've come to expect from the RSPA, plus several new features, including Niche and Startup Alley in the Expo Hall, the first ever ISV Community Networking Reception, six education tracks, executive education, security and legal, next-gen technology, sales and customer service, and cannabis, plus a new software developer ISV education track. Thanks to a strong retail now in 2021, this year's event is expecting to draw close to 2,000 attendees and 180 show floor exhibitors, which could make this the best retail now ever. If you're serious about the Retail IT channel, you have to attend Retail Now 2022. It's where the industry meets. For all the details and to register at discounted early bird rates, visit the Retail Now website today at gorspa.org forward slash retail now. Hope to see you there, and I hope you enjoy this episode with my good friend, Mark Fraker of Blue Star. Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we'll focus on VAR opportunities with electric vehicle charging stations. We'll examine how traditional retail IT resellers can take advantage of this emerging technology. And our special guest to shed light on this topic is Mark Fraker, the Chief Technology Officer for RSPA Distributor Member Blue Star. Mark has been a leader in the retail IT channel for several years, including roles with the RSPA as Chair of the Marketing Committee, the Vendor Working Group, the Endowment Committee, a board member, and an RSPA board chairperson. And if you've ever been to one of Blue Star's partner conferences called Vartech, you know the Blue Star team not only knows how to put on a great show, they also do a really good job of helping VARs and ISVs see around corners. Mark, always great to talk with you. Thanks for being here today. Jim, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Always, always great to talk with you. Did you catch my dad joke? We're talking about electric vehicle charging stations. I set our guests to shed light on this topic. Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm bringing my A game for you. That's that's really what I'm working on. Or you might be thinking otherwise at this point. So, all right. Somebody new to the podcast is like, "What is this corny jokes from the host?" Like, let's get down to business. So, let's let's get down to business then. And so, why don't we talk about the the VAR opportunities with those electric vehicle charging stations and do it kind of step by step. And so, when you say electric vehicle charging station, what should our listeners and viewers picture? So I think there's a couple of things, uh, Jim. First of all, <clears throat> we got to talk about the consumption model of technology just real quick. And it's changing very, very quickly, as you know. What we're seeing in these subscription-based models is that it's not always based on time, where you use something another month, you pay for a month. You know, sometimes it's the number of... Uh, of um, of information that you download. It could be the number of miles that something was delivered, or it could even be the number of kilowatts that are transferred from an AC or DC charger into an electric vehicle. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. And the ultimate uh, solution is, how do you get that electrical from an AC or DC into that vehicle 
and the solution around it. So first of all, it's really a platform sale, and I think we need to understand all the moving parts. Um, so first you have the hardware, and the hardware would be things such as the post or the kiosk um, that is housing an inverter that converts AC power to DC power. Uh, it will have payment processing um, uh, hardware in it. It could also have um, appliances for the internet and so on, antennas. And then I think you have to go and say, okay, what are the softwares that are involved in the platform? So when you're talking software, softwares, I mean, you have a multitude of softwares. One is running all of the application for taking credit cards and uh, the platform that is giving all the information to the drivers about uh, how much kilowatts they're putting through, where they've been, and so on and so on. A, a lot of AI into that platform. The other one is called PEDO, and we're, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but PEDO is important in electric vehicle charging stations. It stands for Programmatic Digital Advertising Out of the Home, and I'll get to that in, in detail in a second. But there's a whole software program that's managing the media and the content on these 55-inch digital screens that are attached to some of the chargers. And then you have services, and services are quite involved uh, with a charging station. First of all, the person who does the install is going to be a certified electrical contractor. Um, they're going to have um, the ability to go pull permits. Um, they will work with all of the municipalities and local governments and such. They're certified, and they will be the ones that will produce actually the um, estimate on what this would cost because they're probably going to tear up your parking lot, blacktop, cement, your landscaping, and then they have to make it just like new but when they leave. So all of those are going on and then after it's installed you have support issues and you're going to have people that will be providing warranty and support in the maintenance as ongoing. So there's a lot of moving parts in this. And then finally something that most of your resellers are familiar with, there's a payment application or software that's running in there as well. And there's a revenue stream to make money uh, when you're you know, charging, selling kilowatts. So that's sort of the whole solution together. A lot of moving parts. And I know throughout this podcast, we're going to break those down and talk to them about it. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to ask you a little bit later in terms of like, you don't have to be an electrical contractor to, to do this, right? The VAR can act as, as kind of the, the general contractor. But can you talk about, is there also an element because of that media, the, the, the pedo that you had called it in terms of the programmatic advertising, is that also an opportunity that could be uncoupled from the charging station? And that's something that could be uh, resold and implemented uh, as well. Can you talk about that as an opportunity of kind of an offshoot of these charging stations? Sure. So you got to think of the revenue stream that's coming from PEDO is a reoccurring revenue. And think of it like a stock market. So in a stock market, you have stockbrokers that are saying, we have these stocks for sale. And then you have other people who are saying, I would like to buy stocks that are in technology, or I'd like to buy stocks that are in retail companies and so on. We'll replace stock with ad. And you have all these ad brokers that are working in not a stock exchange, but an ad exchange. 
and they're buying and selling ads. <clears throat> and what they're doing is they're taking certain ads and putting them on endpoints. Those endpoints are those 55-inch screens that I was talking about. Those screens could be on an electric vehicle charging station. It could be hanging in the front window of a restaurant or a retailer. It could be bolted on the side of the wall of the store, or it could be inside on a kiosk or outside on a kiosk. But when people, people who want to advertise their products uh, put out bids for their ads, it generates a revenue that we share with not only just the reseller, but also with the end user who has the screens in their facility. So it's very, very lucrative. And there's a lot of money to be made in that digital advertising format. It's becoming more and more popular um, and it's really just catching on fire just the last year or so. Yeah, thank you for that. So talk about, you know, I, I wanted to get frame up the technology first so people knew like what exactly are we talking about? But oftentimes with new technology, right, especially ISVs come out with the software and they're like, oh, let me tell you about this software. And then the VARs are like, okay, can I make money off this thing? And is it going to be recurring revenue? And oftentimes it's like, well, we haven't really thought about that. Or I still remember, I won't name the vendor, they came out with a product seven years ago and the VARs did the entire math on it. And they're like, I'm going to bust my butt for you know, $6 a month for the total installation, everything that I do with this. You mentioned lucrative. Can you talk about how lucrative and really the recurring revenue opportunity and, you know, the related margins with these electric vehicle charging stations? Sure. So <clears throat> let's just take the reoccurring revenue without the hardware, without the selling of the kilowatts. Let's just take the pedo, okay? Just the programmatic advertising and look at that first. So most of your listeners are very familiar with reoccurring revenue when you're talking about credit cards, right? So they all get part of that reoccurring revenue from processing credit cards with their end users. Here's how lucrative Pedo is with advertising. Just two screens that would be outside a restaurant. And let's say those two screens could be on charging stations. It could be both in the front window of that restaurant, okay? Those two screens on a monthly basis will generate more reoccurring revenue for the reseller than processing all of the credit cards for that entire month in that restaurant. And the other thing up and beyond that is it also produces revenue for the restaurant tour themselves to pay for the solution. And remember, the restaurant doesn't have to be open to be generating revenue from these screens because it's based on the number of impressions per minute. And that includes everybody walking by, driving by, and so on. So it's you know eyeballs on the screens. And just because your restaurant's not open on Sundays, there's still people driving by and walking by your restaurant. So you're generating revenue when you're closed. Got it. And I think one thing is our listeners, you know, they're familiar with, like you said, credit card processing, but not the advertising world. Like you and I have been in marketing and we know how expensive advertising can be. I mean, people know about the, you know, a three or $4 million Super Bowl ad, but you know, people are spending thousands and thousands of dollars to really target a specific zip code or folks who are shopping in a certain area or things like that. Is there any more color you can add to that for somebody who might not be familiar with it and think, really, there's money in 
in advertising. Can you talk a little bit more about that, Mark? Yeah, so there's five types of ads throughout program, programmatic. Programmatic means that when I was talking about the stock exchange or the, or the ad broker exchange, that happens automatically. There's hardly any human intervention whatsoever. And these ads through algorithms are being bought and sold and sent to endpoints or screens to be displayed. Now, it can be determined which ads go where because if you were, let's say, a Coca-Cola uh, restaurant and you sold Coca-Cola, you would not want to put a Pepsi ad in front of your restaurant or your competitor or whatnot, right? So you have people, large companies that are saying, these are the types of markets that we're looking for in the demographics, and they're out selling that to those endpoints. You have other people who are putting out RFPs. And when they put out RFPs, people who have endpoints can contact them and say, we have this for sale on these endpoints. And then you have the ability to, let's say there's going to be a Final Four basketball game in town. An advertiser might come in and say, just during March Madness, we're going to run this ad in this region for this long, and then we're out. And then finally, you have what's called uh, hyper-local ads, where you have someone who wants to run an ad, let's say Mark's Bar and Grill, down the street. I want to run it uh, at the mall where they have uh, car charging stations. So all of those different types of ads are controlled by our partner, Smartify, in this particular case. They have 400 of these ad brokers working on this. If a reseller tried to do this themselves, I think they'd go bonkers. <laughs> uh, yes. Right? But the nice thing is, is the CPM, that is what ads are sold by, is... And, and CPM stands for cost per thousand, correct? per thousand views yep. or impressions, yep. right? Yep. So every year for the last few years, that cost has been going up over 20%. So if you looked at credit cards in a restaurant and you did a million dollars in credit cards, you made this amount of money. Second year, you do a million dollars, you make the exact same amount. Third year, a million dollars, exact same amount. Well, in programmatic advertising, your first year, you make this amount doing a million dollars. But the next year, if you did a million dollars in a restaurant, it doesn't matter. The cost of those ads went up. You'll make an additional 20% margin on those ads because the cost went up. So think about that. In five years, you would compound it, right? Mm -hmm. You'd double. Yeah. So great, great opportunity right now. Yeah, it kind of reminds me. So Tom Reichert, who's a, a friend of both of ours and RSPA Hall of Famer, was with Mercury Payment in the really early days when you know payment processing was not ubiquitous like it is now. And he would talk to VARS about this is something you need to add. And they'd be like, eh, it doesn't seem like it's right for me. And he talked about people would come back to him two, three, four years later and say, I should have listened to you. Like, why didn't I look into it? So I'm glad you're bringing this opportunity again. Reminds me of kind of those those early days of of payments, where it was a strange new thing to your your point of sale dealer. So, well, can we talk about selling <clears throat> selling this? So, I think you touched on this a little bit. Like, whose doors do the VARS knock on to sell this technology? And this is such an emerging technology. And I drive a gas powered truck that I don't even know where charging stations 
are or should be or will be. I only see them if, you know, my family's shopping at a Whole Foods or there's a, a Sheets convenience store that's near us. And you're like, oh, look at that. There we go. There's a charging station uh, with a screen on it. Can you talk about if VARs are interested, just say they go all the way forward and they say, I want to sell this. Who are they going to be selling it to? So first, I think we have to understand what types of chargers are there. Okay. So there is a level one charger which is probably what you're going to find in most people's homes and their garages. It's going to run on 110, maybe 220. Um, it's going to take six, eight, you know, hours to charge your car. Then there's a level two that's running 220 uh, volts into it. This is what you're going to see in front of uh, most commercial businesses. Those are both AC powered. And then there's a level three, which is DC powered. And DC powered is very fast, very powerful. Now, level two is where people would go and want to charge for like 30 minutes to a few hours to maybe overnight or something. But those level threes, they'll take a Tesla from zero to full in less than 40 minutes. Okay. So very hot, very extreme type of charging. So if you think about this, the big market right now is in the level two and that's what we're promoting the most of in fact the level two chargers that's where we have on some of them that 55 inch uh, screen so in retail think of it outside shopping centers supermarkets big box stores smb um, commercial you know could be parking lots hotels resorts um, institutional libraries, hospitals, education, airports, train stations, um, industrial, manufacturing facilities, warehouses, truck terminals. You know, people are still going to start charging their fleets as they move to an electrical um, vehicle fleet. And we also sell a level two for fleet charging as well. Then you have municipalities, obviously, uh, all government buildings in the parking lots. Uh, you could even put in, you know, religious institutions in there. And then the other really big market, Jim, would be multi-tenant or multi-family dwellings. So some of these really large um, condo complexes that are 20, sure. 30 stories tall, right? And the parking garage is underneath. So that's where you're going to find the chargers are going to be. Yes, the oil companies are going to go out and try and install, you know, along the highway, some D3 chargers into their gas station complex. But, you know, not everybody's going to want to sit in their car for 30 minutes or an hour uh, when it's hot outside. They're probably going to want to go in someplace to, you know, a lounge or whatever and gas stations just don't have the room there's so much money they need to make on every square foot on a shelf right yeah, it's ne it's gonna... never good advice to spend a lot of time hanging out at a gas station right that's just not something that people <laughs> do <laughs> so there's a lot of infrastructure change that'll have have to happen with some of the, the bigger companies that will get involved in this but your readers or excuse me your your um listeners all have the ability to walk in and sell something to an existing customer because almost every one of them is going to be involved with electric vehicle charging in the very near future. 
Interesting. Yeah. It, it's, it's, so two things. One is like a personal thing. So I think I've shared with you, I don't know if I've shared with our uh, listeners yet, but if I'm in Erie, Pennsylvania, I'm going to be, uh, my family's going to be moving to the Raleigh uh, area, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, and we're going to move into an apartment that's one of those, maybe not as tall as what you talked about, but it's got, you know, a whole bunch of floors on it. And we have a parking ramp that we're going to be in. And that makes me go, oh yeah, if you have an electric vehicle, that is a perfect uh, place for it. But I'm also thinking, so to our uh, listeners and viewers, they're going to say, well, I don't deal with any landlords, but they deal with, you know, hotels and like you said, the malls and the restaurants and retailers, uh, things of that nature. And I, I feel bad. I'm, I'm asking you like, well, how would Blue Star help? And I hope people don't think it's a commercial, but I, like if I'm a reseller, I'm thinking, well, how am I going to sell this on my own? Do you go in and have somebody, is there a partner who sells with them? Is there training? I, I'm curious because somebody, this isn't like just selling, you know, cellular failover, right? Not that that's easy to sell, but it's a lot less complex uh, than what this is all about. Can you talk about again? So once somebody goes beyond, are they knocking on the door with somebody? How do they know how to present this uh, to someone? So one thing that we're doing is that we're working with the resellers and we have a, a training program that we're putting some of them through right now. And this training program teaches them how to go in and sell the ROI to the landlords and to the uh, merchants. So if you had a cinema, for example, the cinema might not own the parking lot, right? So you're going to be dealing with their landlord for electric vehicle charging stations. But when there is a revenue stream that's available to them for that parking lot now, uh, landlords love that, number one. Number two, uh, you're going to be able to put uh, pedo screens inside the front of the theater and generate money for the theater uh, themselves. So there's a lot of revenue uh, involved in this for everybody. But what we do is we put them through a series of training classes, and then we have a group of experts in electric vehicle charging stations that have been involved in installs of thousands of these that will work side by side with the resellers and help them close the deals. Um, when it comes, you know, to doing the installation, um, with Loop, who is our uh, partner along with Fabcon on the actual um, hardware and such, uh, we have a group of electrical contractors across Canada and the U.S., coast to coast and border to border, that will do the installs. Uh, this is what they do for a living. So as soon as we have a reseller says, I have someone that's interested, they put them through this uh, portal, the questions, a quote then the electrical contractor goes out does the site survey finds out what the cost is for the permits and such now there's a final cost to do the install um, the hardware we already know the services and the uh, software is known and then you know in our particular case we have our uh, boost our hybrid SaaS financial services which will finance all of these deals uh, you know, for five, seven years. The payback though for the owners of these electric vehicle charging stations is phenomenal. 
Interesting. Thank you for that. I'm going to dive in a little bit deeper in terms of what's the ideal VAR and, and their skill and experience. But first, we're going to pause here to let our listeners and viewers know that an RSP membership has never been more valuable or affordable. Annual sponsorships for VARs start at just $250 a year for dozens of high-value services. Also, vendors and software developers benefit from an RSP membership through introductions to VAR and ISV members and by showcasing their solutions through the exclusive RSPA Solution Center. Accelerate your success by joining the RSP RSPA today. Also, we want to thank our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Possible. Our gold sponsors are Brother, CoCard, Heartland, Plastic Printers, ScanSource, and Shift4. And Mark, you will never guess who our platinum sponsor is. It is Blue Star. Thank you for your support. We appreciate it. To receive the benefits of an RSPA membership or RSPA sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.com. Dot org. That's membership at gorspa.org. Finally, registration is open for Retail Now 2022, the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event. This year's event is set for July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Retail Now is where the industry meets. And I know you and I will be meeting there as well, along with hopefully about 2,000 of our friends. Uh, looking forward right. to to getting back to uh, to Florida for that event. So you touched on a little bit earlier that, you know, VARs don't need to be experts in advertising or electrical contracting or things like that. But what skills or experience do they need in order to resell this? Like, is there a, I don't want to say ideal, but a, a range of a profile of what would be a good kind of uh, a reseller who could who could really make this happen and kind of act as general contractor for all these things? That's a, a great question. I think it's the best question in the whole podcast thus far. And, and I'll answer it this way. We tried to make this into a turnkey solution, you know, part of our in a box series. And the reason for that was it's there's a lot of moving parts. It's it's very complicated. Okay. What we're trying to have the resellers do is not go take a new product and sell it to a new market. That that can be very difficult oh, yeah. time consuming, right? You want to stay focused on what you do best. That's why we're bringing in sales resources and everything else to help the resellers close the business. What we're looking for is some resellers that want to take a very profitable solution into their existing customer base that they know. They can call that customer up and the first question isn't going to be hey can i talk to you about this that's going to say hey how's denise and the kids doing right that's the type of relationship that they have with their customers so when you say what type you know of uh, you know values should the reseller have a great relationship with their current customer base and you heard when i was saying where these are going to go they're going to be everywhere and since they're going to be everywhere, it's going to become part of everybody's lives. And some of the stats, you know, when you look at them, by 2030, you know, 40% of the cars manufactured globally are going to be electric of some form. Well, you have to have the infrastructure to support that. So it will be part of everybody's lives. And because of that, the electrical engineers, we've taken care of that issue. All of the grants, all of the different subsidies, all of the different tax breaks and such that are part 
of putting and installing an electrical grid anywhere around the world is different, even by county or by state. We have a group that will help figure that all out. So when you go back and talk to your customer, you will have a complete cash flow and ROI, including all of the government subsidies to show them what the payback time is. When you look at once it's installed, you're going to get a check every quarter for the reoccurring revenue uh, that's generated your portion of it. Um, if there's a problem with anything on that, these are being monitored 24 seven, not by just the, the hardware manufacturers, because these are remote managed devices, but you have Smartify who is managing all of the screens. And they're going to make sure that those screens are up and producing revenue, right? It affects their pocketbook just as much. And then you have Blue Star, who is your direct contact with all of this uh, and the group of vendors that we've put together. So we've tried to take care of making this turnkey from, I have someone who's interested. We'll walk you through the process. Here are the five steps. We get to a sale electrical contractors do the install, all of the logistics and everything are handled by Blue Star, and then the ongoing support kicks in. The reason for that is we want the resellers to be able to focus on what they do every day. You hit the nail on the head when you said Tom Reichart used to say to them, just do what you always have been doing, just add credit cards to it. It'll happen automatically. Resellers didn't have to change their world around to offer credit cards. It just laid on top of what they were already doing. That's exactly what this is. Got it. I guess let's keep that parallel going because what happens sometimes is when the credit card machine goes down or the network isn't working or something like that, the VAR is the first person who the merchant's going to call because that's who they have uh, the connection with. Can you talk about these in terms of like what happens when you know one of these isn't working or somebody you know backs into one right and 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 there's some sort of an accident there? Is that merchant going to call the VAR? Is there going to be some auto alert that lets these other, you know, the folks who they've kind of contracted it to? Or if the VAR does get the call, do they just go and refer it? Can you talk about uh, that, that real world application of it? Well, I can tell you that our network will understand that there's a problem before the uh, reseller will know and before actually the uh, landlord or the end user will know. Okay. Because as soon as that goes offline, a notification comes out instantly in real time, and they know there's a down screen. If the if the charger will not uh, open up to put through the charge into the car, that's all driven by um, you know card not present or card present with an app. Uh, so you're going to go in and scan a QR code, pull up the app, and then you can see what's going on in the app. All of this is being monitored. So as soon as something goes wrong, then the, the process starts to repair it remotely. And if it can't, then a truck rolls to replace it. Now, if someone walks by with a lead pipe and breaks the screen or something like that, yes, you know, we're going to know that that happened. And yeah. then a truck will roll to make the repairs on that. Uh, this kind of reminds me, I keep drawing parallels with what VARs are doing now. I remember when we had a panel at Retail Now talking about cellular failover, 
where the VAR outsourced it to a service and he would get an alert on his Apple phone. It'd be like, you know, uh, you know, Mary's bar, you know, just had internet go down and then he'd wait two seconds. Now cellular failover is kicked in and it's working. And he's like, great. Like this is the way to, to make a living. And it's, uh, I don't want to say this is like a referral model, but is that kind of how this is structured in terms of the VAR has the introduction, they make the initial sale, but they don't have to do the ongoing service, turning the screwdriver, putting out fires. Is Am I understanding that the right way? You're absolutely right. The best way to look at it is it's the same way that they've been treated using credit cards, right? Got it. Great, thank you. Um, and so you touched on a little bit, so thank you for that. I wanted to get really specific in terms of what this means for VARs, but somebody can say, like I said, I don't have an electric vehicle. I don't know if I would buy one in my next vehicle, and I don't even know how much of those are around the corner, what the availability is. You hear about Tesla, but can you talk about some of the general trends? You touched on those uh, a little bit. Can you share that a little bit more to to talk to the the listeners and the viewers to say like what it is in 2022, how much the opportunity is, how much bigger is it going to be five years, 10 years from now? Yeah, so here's a few um, factoids, okay? So one out of five new cars sold will be electric in 2025 and there'll be 120 million electric vehicles on the road by 2030. Uh, so is that North e America worldwide? That That's North America. Okay all right. So then you have EV charging infrastructure by 2030 300 million dollars. Okay wow. and then new EV chargers to be installed by 2030 20 million. Okay so when you start to look at this and where the demand is, so going up to 2030, level one is 11% of the demand, level one chargers, level two is 68%, and level three is 21%. Now, I, I think we'll see that change a little bit between level two and level three. You know, battery um, uh, technology is changing rapidly. And so that's a good thing because the, the cars are going to be able to go farther on uh, on the charge. And then the other thing to look at, look at is that uh, in 2030, it's estimated sales of the same vehicles. So you're talking about electric and hybrid vehicles will be 4.7 million. And uh, last year it was 526,000. And of those 526,000, full electric, not hybrids, but full electric cars only made up 3.4%. But in 2030, that 4.7 million, 30% or more will be all electric vehicles, not hybrids. So opportunity, you know, what's it at? Well, the CAGR, you know, worldwide for... Uh, EV charging stations is expected to grow by 46.6%. So, I mean, I'll put it this way. This train hasn't left the station yet, but it is really close to leaving, and it is a very, very fast train. The last thing you want to be doing is running down the track trying to catch this train because you left <laughs> Yeah, get on while it's sitting still and it's and it's about to move. And it's it's interesting. People complain so much about the gas prices now, but the people who own electric vehicles, right? They don't have to worry about those. We don't have to worry about them. I mean, quite frankly, all the world events and all the different things uh, that go into this. And so it seems like there's a, um, you know, there there's almost a a push in terms of 
uh, it's better for the planet and for the environment and, you know, have an electric vehicle and it was being shoved on people. But now it seems like there's a lot of gravity that's moving in the direction of electric vehicles in terms of just adoption and availability. Again, people would love to get away from uh, stopping at the pump and paying, you know, whatever it is uh, in your town per gallon. Am I understanding that as well? You are. And, you know, there's a reverse side to that, too. But um, you look at the auto companies and they're the ones that are fueling this. Uh, They're forming whole new divisions. I mean, Ford just announced uh, today or yesterday that they're forming a whole new division, one for gas and diesel and one for electric, right, for alternative fuels. And then um, you need to you need to look at um, just what's happening, you know, with electric vehicles right now. There was a video that someone sent to me yesterday, and I'll have to send it to you after this podcast. But is it a it is a person sitting in a Chevy Tahoe, Tahoe, excuse me, gas powered, right? They're looking at a line of Teslas waiting to go in to DC three chargers. There were eight DC three chargers and there were over 20 Teslas waiting in line to charge. Mm-hmm. And this was not California. This was Louisiana. Wow. So, you know, and what the person says in the video, I'll stick with my Tahoe. <laughs> right. But you're going right. to see you're going to see it all evolve and change. It is. And it's going to be mandated and there's going to be more incentives that come out by uh, you know, the different governments around the world. I mean, yeah. this isn't just a North America you know, solution or issue. Uh, this is a global solution and issue. Got it. So we've, we've framed up the opportunity. We framed up how VARs can make money on this. When can we actually, like we've almost talked about it from a theoretical and then how would it be applied standpoint? When do you think we can expect to see VARs implementing this technology and selling it and, and making money on it? Well, we are already training some resellers as we speak. Uh, I plan on attending uh, two shows, one at the end of this month and one at the end of April, where we're going to showcase this technology and this solution in the resellers' booths. So answer your question, we're doing it right now. Um, I I expect some of them to sell their first units within the next 30 days. Wow, great. All right. The future the future is now. So my final question for you is, so with the VARs who are listening to this, what should they do next? Where do they take advantage of the whole EV charging station trend? What are first uh, first few steps they should take? Well, one, I would say do as much research as you can. I mean, look in your local area to where you're at. What, what are any of the local jurisdictions and such? you're going to find out that in some areas, if someone touches their parking lot, they're going to be required to put in 17% electric vehicle charging stations in that entire lot and so on. That's why this is going to continue to grow. There just won't be enough charging spots for the amount of uh, electric vehicles that will be out there. But if you are seriously interested and you want to make a commitment to selling this product and you want to find out more information, when it comes to Blue Star, you can just send me an email and uh, I will get with you and we'll set up a one hour qualifying meeting with our partners to explain more about it. And um, my email address is very simple. It's mfraker, F-R-A-K-E-R 
at bluestarinc.com. Fabulous. And if folks are driving around and they weren't able to uh, to write that down, you just reach out to your member services manager at the RSPA. Uh, you'll either know them directly or you can just email membership at gorspa.org and we will connect you uh, with Mark. So, well, very interesting opportunity. And that does it for this episode of the Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate it if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. My personal philosophy is the more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Mark Fraker for sharing his wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA Director of Marketing and Strategic Partnerships, Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail IT ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.